Hey everyone, it's Amar and Jamie, and welcome to the Get More at Bats podcast. We're super happy you're here. This is the podcast where we help salespeople and sales leaders figure out how to open more doors, stay in accounts longer, and secure the renewal. All right, so we're going to get started. Today's episode is a series of questions that we hear quite a lot in the market. Now, we're going to describe this from our functional point of view. But what I want you to take away is that these types of, uh, of objections are always out there. I want you to draw the parallels between the objections we're about to share with you and the objections that you may be or likely are hearing in the market, okay? So here is what happened. A couple of days ago, Jamie and I are engaged in an account um, that's a prospect and we're on like the 90-yard the line in closing the deal. One of our key champions in the account wrote us back and said, hey, I just figured out that we have Zoom Info and Zoom Info has some of this data that you have as well. I don't know why I would double pay for something that I already have. Wink, wink. He's trying to get out of doing the deal with us. Okay. Now we know the global president in this account. We, we have quite a bit of um, buying committee and stakeholder buy-in already there. <clears throat> and despite that, we're still facing the scenario. So here's what I wanted to set up. The objection is that I have a series of tools that I think can achieve the same thing that your tool slash service can deliver. And I, I'm now going to pass it to Jamie because I want Jamie to explain how he handled this. And what I want you to take away is how are you going to get around similar types of objections? So Jamie, over to you. And I also want this to be a teaching moment uh, that I had to learn something myself. So yesterday I was in New York City. I was running a sales kickoff for a customer and we were coming against this particular topic. And I said, hey, we all face these moments. And in fact, we all recognize that sometimes we think we have described our value proposition, our features and advantages very clearly over months and months with a prospect. And sometimes they don't. At first, your brain says they just don't get it, but it's on us. And here's what I told the sales team is I said, listen, I'm a founder that's been doing this for 13 years. And I still convince myself that I did a great job explaining this when clearly this question at the 11th hour has come up. Now, one of the huge advantages I believe in social selling, and this is what I explained to the sales reps that were in this room yesterday, is let's assume that you have a nearly identical feature set and you're going head in head, in head against an incumbent. What people are going to buy from at that last moment are other people. Because in this moment, based on what I'm about to talk to you about is, I'm going to show you how I described our features, advantages, and benefits afterwards. But if they still don't see this difference, they're going to buy based on the representative that they feel are going to give them the best and honest experience pre-sales and is going to carry forward that relationship post-sales. So I, I want to caveat that, that what I said to the sales team is, you know, recognize that you all the things you do as a social seller at this very moment in time you could still win this deal feature to feature against an incumbent solely because you are that trusted advisor second as i mentioned 
don't take it personally that the customer doesn't see through what you think is obvious, a whole set of features and advantages that you've laid out. Because a lot of times to a customer, your products all look the same. And it turns out our product appeared in, in their mind to be the same. Now it was time for me to outline this. So here's how I handled this. This is our belief for Amar and I. So at Pipeline Signals, we are enablement as a service. We are a tech enabled service, not just a SaaS platform or vendor. Now, or for a, some data, of you, or a data vendor of some kind. Yeah, so for, for some of you listening, there's a difference between the word partner and the word vendor. And so what I described is our responsibility is to drive as a partner you towards outcomes. The outcomes that you're paying your monthly subscription to us for is sales qualified leads. It's almost like if you're playing golf, it didn't matter that you whacked one off a tree and then you were in a sand bunker and then like a frog grabbed your ball and threw it in the hole. You still got par. Like there's there's a saying in golf, which is there's no drawings on the, on the scorecard. It's just that you got scores. So what I described is that in my humble belief, there are data providers. You know, you've got the Zoom infos, the LinkedIn's, the Lucia's, uh, the Apollo's all fantastic data sets, but they're providing you data. What you're paying us to do is to interpret that data for you and then enable it to your sales team. Enablement is like when, you know, imagine if you want to transfer knowledge, it's not just once, you've got to do it over and over and over again, to which to the point it sinks in. So I kind of high level outlined it. You first have to come to an inflection point. So this is how I'd recommend looking at coming up against this objection. First, center the conversation on the macro goal and objective why we're all here. Because if they can't get over that hurdle, no matter how many other features that you outline, like we've got this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing, it won't matter. It won't be bought in at that point anyway. It won't be bought in. You have to say, did you choose a vendor or are you choosing a partner who you can call on a Saturday on a cell phone that is going to help you think through your problems to get you to our ultimate goal, which is more sales qualified leads. So that's part A. Now let's assume that you've chosen the answer is I want a partner. Here are the four things that I think that we do really well. In his message to us, he said, the only difference I see between yourself and your competitors is your enablement as a service, your training. Now, I brought that back as, as I'm describing the four most important features that we offer, I said, we cannot discount and I cannot stress this enough that data is only data until it's turned into sales intelligence and until that knowledge is turned into action. So I could give you LinkedIn data. In fact, you have free LinkedIn data. You have free stuff on Google. You have free stuff. You already have a Zoom info account. So it's always been free to you or you're paying for it, but at least to your rep standpoint, they think it's free. But how's that going for you? What have you done for me lately? Because it's just data unless somebody knows what to do with it. So our responsibility is to enable you week after week, month after month, quarter after quarter to make sure that these ideas turn into retained knowledge and that retained knowledge turns into actual like outcomes. That's well, Jamie, no, just, I want to interject oh, yeah. a little Jump bit <clears throat> to enhance your story as well. We know this, that people that have LinkedIn sales navigator, less than 
10% of Sales Navigator users are actually in the platform, even somewhat regularly. So that means that the adoption and usage is so darn low that any value that you're expecting reps to you know, pull out and extract from that tool is minimal. And it's translated in such a meaning, I mean, the impact is so meaningfully negative that on average, about 80% of the signals from these types of tools are essentially missed. Think about how much pipeline is therefore just missed altogether because salespeople who have access to these tools don't know how to use them, forget to use them, are lazy to use them, maybe all of the above, but the net result is essentially the same. So just backing up your point and I'll let you continue. Well, the other features are only meaningful to those that have done an analysis of us versus competitors. So I'm not going to dive deep into them, but ultimately what I'm then bringing forward are conversations around the human experience. So technology can only get you so far. Technology can find you a signal based on an algorithm that is created. Uh, so what our platform pipeline signals does is it's looking for two major compelling events. One, are your customers on the move? And did they go into another customer or a prospect? Or did they go into what's called, and this is the important piece that I brought up, called the green field. Remember, if you're partnering with just a technology, you built a box and the technology just follows the rules to the road. It just, it says, if then statements. If somebody leaves customer A and goes into prospect B, please surface this intelligence. We also are human centric. So that means that we can think outside the box. Hey, I noticed that some of your customers are leaving your main vertical, which is manufacturing, but six of them went into the airline industry. Would you ever consider going after the airline industry? Sure. Okay, let's help you build a total adjustable market map for the airline industry. Let's help you figure out all the new executive job changes and customers on the move there. So what I'm bringing forward is, again, this is part of being a partner. We're not just like following the original rule to the road that you built. We're going to keep pressure checking you and testing you and saying, hey, there's all this greenfield opportunity. Are you willing to go after it? And then I brought up some other details. And then it came down to why we commercially partner. And, you know, it all centers back to you get what you pay for. And we give people the optionality to we put our money where our mouth is, as in we offer month to month partnerships instead of these long drawn out annual contracts where, you know, you get disenfranchised in month six or in month eight, but you've already paid for the 12 months. We say, listen, if you don't believe us, we're going to be enabling you and providing you sales intelligence every month. If you don't see value in it, you can let us go. And that's how much we believe in what we're doing. And ultimately, uh, and Amar knows where the story went. About an hour later, they said, yeah, we'll put you into the procurement process or into the vendoring process and we're finalizing the deal. Let's go forward, right? They just wanted some reassurance that we could defend ourselves, that we are in fact unique. And they may, this could have been a test. This could have been, hey, we need to justify this to other people. Can you write this for me so I don't have to write it? It could be a thousand other reasons, but um, Amar, any other thoughts, questions, yeah. ideas that you have on this? I got, I got a couple of like meta thoughts, uh, yeah. on, on a broad level. So first our story that we're, that we've just shared with you 
uh, folks is really to get your wheels to turn and let you understand that the buying journey is constant. There is no such thing as a linear buying journey. Sure, we have sales cycle stages in our CRM, probably like you, and that's for our convenience more than the customers, but the customer is literally doing this to get to you eventually. Your entire function as a sales professional today is to be a world-class educator. You have to present information constantly and to a very early point that Jamie made in this episode, your customer doesn't know your solution as deeply as you. They're not thinking about it. They're selfish. And that's a good thing that they are me focused. And your job is to help them remain me focused. We do that with consistent education. And I'll, I'll just use that as a point to make my last point, Jamie, which is this. That education is such a big deal now. If you look at all types of research, Gartner has a beautiful buying journey research uh, piece that they've done that essentially says that 83% of a buyer's time today is now spent in research, solo research, research within a buying committee, research talking to your uh, case study accounts, et cetera, et cetera. They're in research mode. Very little time is actually spent with your brand and you. So your job as a salesperson is not to just open up the door and do aggressive things. Your job is just to meaningfully educate. Yeah. That's what I'd like to leave off with. Oh, and why, why should you do that? Because the data is on your side. Forrester and Corporate Visions have done a masterful research piece on this that shows demonstrably, it reveals that 74% of buyers are actively choosing salespeople that are first to add value and insight, 74%. So call it three out of four buyers want to engage with salespeople and brands and companies that are willing to go out of their way to teach constantly. If you don't get that on your brand, I don't know how you're gonna survive today as a salesperson. So team, here's what I'd recommend, or yeah, (laughs) team, Our fellow listeners, please like and subscribe our podcast. We want it to grow, helping our account-based sales developers. We want to help you self-source your own opportunities, control your own destiny. If you could do that as well, we actually have been building up free resources on the Pipeline Signals website. So take a moment. Um, We have one to help you determine your quota gap. uh, that You might think you're getting a lot of leads from marketing or from your channel partners. But in fact, if you calculate how much you need to self-source, you could be shocked. Uh, We've given a free database to you. If you sell into the Fortune 2000, you go into the free resources and download that as well. So take advantage. We are just here to help account-based sellers get more at-bats, make their plan, make their number. Uh, With that, let's sign out and uh, great podcast. Thanks, guys. Take care. All the best. (laughs) 